right, if you have your Bibles, grab those. Luke chapter 8 is where we'll be. Luke chapter 8, we'll start in verse 40 uh, here in a few minutes. Um, then I want to uh, lay before you to be praying about, um, again, the hurricane uh, that came through past week. Man, just the devastation there. Um, Jonathan Watoon uh, is one of ours, and his uh, family lives in Fort Myers. Uh, he drove down uh, this past Thursday. Uh, and got there Friday morning. He said it was just crazy having to kind of navigate around and try to get to. And um, he said, pictures do not do it justice. Horrific uh, it is in the years that it'll take to rebuild and to be able to uh, I mean, just get that place back up and running. I mean, I know that there's a lot of other areas like that. And so just, just remember him as he's down there. Uh, he said he might fly back uh, this evening. If not this evening, then he'll be coming back uh, next week sometime. Um, so his, his family that lives there, they're, they're fine, they're okay, but I mean, there are a lot of other families that have just been ravished as a result of, and so um, just, just remember, remember them, remember them and pray, pray for them, so we greatly appreciate that. Um, so this morning, uh, well, we as a church have been reading through the New Testament, um, and I don't know about you, but, but just, man, how refreshing it's been for me uh, just to be reminded of the stories of Jesus and how he lived his life and the, uh, the things that he, he did. And, and so this morning, uh, we'll, we'll get ready and jump right in here in just a second. But this morning, what we're going to do is we're just going to look at stories uh, here in uh, Luke chapter 8, uh, here in the Gospel of Luke, that, that's going to put on display uh, faith that moves the hand of God. Uh, we're going to examine and look at uh, deeper uh, this thought of faith and faith that, uh, that get, gets God's Tension or a faith that, uh, that moves God uh, in a mighty, mighty way for God's glory. And so I'm sitting Wednesday night uh, in my small group, and as I'm sitting there, people are sharing. Uh, we're talking about the Word of God and talking through the Word of God. And in that, I just kind of uh, feel this ever uh, so slight nudge in my heart, uh, and, and I write down this word faith. Actually, I write down like three or four times, faith, 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 faith. Because for me, as, I, as I'm thinking back through uh, the different things that I've read thus far the last six weeks in the gospel up to this point, uh, for me, one of the words that just stick out or one of the thoughts throughout, uh, woven throughout the gospels is the thought of faith. I mean, you see over and over and over faith put on display. Men and women who approach Jesus, it's, it's in faith, it's through faith, it's believing. Uh, maybe they don't fully understand or get or know what they're even believing, uh, uh, but, but, they, but they go to God, they go to Jesus in, in faith. We see them just intent, and I just felt the Holy Spirit press upon me this thought of faith. Like, what is faith? God, living by faith? I mean, I, I'm a believer, so I've come to Jesus, and the only way you come to Jesus is through faith. And so as a believer, I, I do that. I trust God. I believe in God. Man, man I seek Him. I, I walk out my faith daily, or so I think I do. I believe that I do. And then I just ever so slightly felt God kind of just, just get direct with me. And, and there's this, this little thought, but like, do I truly trust God? I, I mean, fully, fully trust Him. Am I believing Him, seeking Him, walking after Him like what I've been reading about in the Gospels? I mean, just this sold-out abandonment to Christ. Do I play it safe? Or do I play it safe? Am I in or am I holding back? Am I living in a way that can easily be explained? If you were to follow me around for a day or for a week and just kind of watch as my uh, life kind of unfolds and I go throughout my day, do I live in a way that, that I'm seeing these men and women in the Scriptures live? Or is it something that could easily be like, oh, well, I get that, Scott. I understand that. 
Okay, I can see that. Uh, you give, okay, you can give God credit for that, but, but really, I mean, is that really an act of faith or are you living uh, in a way that can only be explained by, by radical faith in God? Because in the Gospels, we see faith in these men and women and these people that gets to the heart of Jesus so much so that it the hand of God. You see Jesus make comments like that. Like, I've, I've not seen faith like this in anyone. I mean, you just see it just get God's attention in a mighty, mighty way. So my question is, what, what is this faith that I talk of? What is it about the people that we see and read about here in the gospel thus far? What do they possess that maybe we don't? Or how are they living in a way that maybe we're not living? I mean, because of faith, uh, you've gathered here this morning, and faith is something that we talk about all the time. Faith is the driving heart behind everything that we do, even our relationship with Jesus. It's all about faith. Everything that we do here in this place is supposed to be faith-based, right? It's supposed to be about a trust and a belief in My question is, do we fully live like that? Do I fully live like that? That's what I want to examine this morning in this story. That's what I want to look at this morning as we see two different characters in this story live out faith, uh, belief in, a, in, in Jesus and in, in going toward him in a way that, that radically goes against the current day that they're living in. So, so what is Faith. Faith, the author of Hebrews says this in uh, Hebrews 11.1, he says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for. So, so you're confident, you're assured in the things that you are hoping for. It's the conviction of things seen. You're convicted so much so by the thing that you're hoping for that you move toward the thing that's not seen. That, that your heart and hands are in, uh, uh, affected so much so that you go toward. See, the definition of faith would be this. It's a belief in. It's a devotion to or a trust in somebody or something, especially without logical proof. Belief in. Devotion to. Trust in someone or something. And then I love that little tag there at the end. Especially without logical proof. Because we live in a day and a time where everything's got to be logical, right? Everything's got to make sense. If we can't see it, if we can't touch it, if we can't smell it, if we can't hold it, then, uh, then it's not real. But, but like we gather in this place this morning in faith believing these stories that we have read. Um, the songs that we have sung in faith believing and confident in this thing that we hope for, which, which is our Savior, which is our God, our Creator, who has defeated hell, sin, and the grave, and who has risen again three days later victorious over it, who holds the keys to it. We, we gather in this place, and, and for whatever reason, it makes perfect sense in my heart, though it's not logical at all. But it's because we are men and women of faith. And that's what frustrates the world. Uh, the, the world's got to see it. The world has to be able to explain it. The world has to be able to understand it completely, thoroughly, though there's very few things in the world that we can fully, completely, thoroughly understand. Is there not? Very few things. And so faith is okay in certain arenas and areas, but when it comes to believing in something bigger than ourselves, 
like the God of the universe. And we're, we're mocked, we're laughed at. See, another way that you can define faith is this, is the belief in and devotion to God. That, that's the faith we're talking about. Yeah, yeah we, we all exercise faith. Every single one of us, I don't care who you are, the most staunch atheist in the world exercises faith every day. They jump in their car, they start it up, they put it in reverse, believing in faith that that brake is going to do what that brake is supposed to do. Everybody exercises faith. The thing that we exercise our faith in is the creator of the universe and, and Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished and what he has done. And the scriptures teach that faith is so important that without it, we have no place with God. And it's impossible to please him is what the author of Hebrews says. So for us to please God, for us to glorify God, we have got to be men and women of faith, people of faith, confident in the things that we hope for, conviction, so much so that we move toward those things in faith, believing God will move and work. So I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray. We'll jump into Luke 8, 40 here in just a minute. Father, we love you. Jesus, we need you. Father, I pray for faith this morning. Father, I pray that you would pour it out. God, we know that you are the giver of faith is what your scriptures declare. Father, that you give. And so, Father, I pray that you would increase our faith, that you would help us believe and walk in and God move toward. God, I pray that our faith be so strong that it would move your hands in mighty, mighty ways, not for our glory, but for your great name, for your glory. Father, so that this word would know and see all the more how great and awesome you are. Father, give us faith. Help us to believe and walk out. And we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so Luke 8, starting in verse 40. Uh, two very well-known stories here, maybe you're familiar with, but I just, I just, these, these just hit me this week as I was studying, as I was reading, as I was walking through. Luke 8, 40 says this. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, uh, for they were all waiting for for him. And so Jesus has been away. He comes back to this area here. As he comes back to this area here, just finished casting out a demon from a man. And so they're all like excited and geeked up. And we'll know, uh, we know from the gospels that Jesus has been in this area before. He's been to this place before. He's done an amazing miracle even here. So, so Jesus is known in this area, known in this place. And not to mention word is starting to spread about him. People are starting to, uh, to hear stories. People are to know about this Jesus guy. And so he gets back in town. They're waiting. They're excited. They want to be around him. They want to be next to him. They want to, uh, they want to see him. They want to just be in his presence. And then what we're going to see here in verse 41 is this, is we're going to see a crazy act of faith. Now, we're going to see a very crazy act of faith. And maybe you didn't realize how crazy it is, but let me, let me pull back the curtain and help us understand greater. Here in verse 41, and there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue. Does it seem to be anything crazy, out of the norm? Does it seem to be, as you just kind of read through it, maybe this week as you was reading, kind of just waxed over what this was or what was even being said? And, um, and so as you do a little bit more study and kind of digging in this, some things that we need to understand about this Jairus, who's the ruler ruler of the synagogue. So, so he's the one over the synagogue there whose responsibilities in, uh, include conducting meetings, taking care of the building itself, supervising the teachings in the synagogue, even providing teachings in the synagogue. I mean, he is a pretty stout religious leader of the day here in this area. He is very important, looked at, uh, held with great regard, expected 
as it pertains to religious activities, to religious belief, to walking out faith, those type of things. And what we know from the story, as I've already said, is that he's not a new character here. He's someone that we've, we've read about over in Luke chapter 4. Jesus casts out a demon there in that chapter, which happens to be right here at this synagogue. I mean, so he's a high-ranking of this Jewish religious establishment, which would also include scribes and Pharisees. And so what we know about the scribes and the Pharisees are those who hated Jesus. As Jesus' popularity grew, as his teachings grew, the way that he lived his life, the things that he said, the things that he did as he aligned himself with the will of God, as he aligned himself even with the law. See, the Pharisees are guilty of of getting the law, reading the law, adding to their own interpretation to it, adding to their own uh, stipulations to certain laws and to certain things and lording themselves over the people with expectation that they didn't even fulfill themselves. They were very religious people in this day. And Jairus would be one of those type of people. He would be connected to that movement, to those people. So when you read this and you see that there's this man named Jairus who's a ruler of the synagogue, it's going to be a very big deal what we're about to read next in this story. Because look at what happens in verse 41. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. And so the reason why that's such a big deal, the reason why this is such crazy faith, is because in him doing that, he flies in the face of those who couldn't stand Jesus, who were a part of his religious background. He knew better than to approach Jesus like that. I mean, I mean the ridicule that he would face, the mocking, the, uh, uh, the exclusions that would come as a result of this. I mean, so this is, this is a crazy act of faith. And I know what you might be thinking, well, that's, that's really not that big of a deal, Scott. So what, he gets made fun of. When was the last time you got made fun of and you were okay with it? I mean, we're so much more uh, removed from these stories, aren't we? I mean, we are the dignified people of 2022. Man, if somebody defriends you on Facebook, we're falling apart, are we not? At least they would do it to your face here. At least they would let you know to your face here. I mean, I mean we fall apart if the world revolve around us, don't we? You mean to tell me they didn't invite me? I'll show them. My motto is I don't get mad, I get even. My party will be bigger, will be better, and they won't be invited. I'll show them. I mean, when was the last time we were mocked or ridiculed and okay with it? I mean, it's funny because like, we, we look at, at our kids, at, at high school students now, and we see the peer pressure that they give into, that they cave to, and we're thinking, Never we, can't even, we can't even live for Jesus in our workplace out of fear of being left out or ridiculed or mocked. What do they say about us? What do they may tell somebody else? I mean, I, mean, I want them to know that I, that, I, that I love Jesus, like Jesus, but I don't, I don't want to be labeled too hard of a Jesus follower because then I might not get invited. I might not be included. I might be left out of some things. And what you have to understand here with Jesus, it could cost him everything. People despise Jesus because he came and he taught in a way of authority. And he didn't just teach, he lived what he taught. He lived and he modeled and he walked out what he taught. So this is crazy faith because it could cost him so much. So why does he fall at the feet of Jesus? Why does he implore to come to his house? Because he's to engage faith out of a desperate place. See, desperate places drive us to our knees often, does it not? 
The most loving thing God can do in our life from time to time is get us to that place of where we see ourselves desperate and in great need of Him. In our own way. It's not, it's I can do nothing apart from Him. And that's what we're going to see. God, get Him to a place where. And so, what is Jairus' response? The only response that there should be. He goes to Jesus, He implores, He begs Him to come. Man, the backlash that could come from this. So, so why so urgent here is Jairus? Verse 42 goes on. He says this. He says, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age. Okay, cool. So he's, he's got a girl. He's got a daughter. He, uh, he loves. He cares for. He's, he's concerned about. And, and, and that's what it tells us next. And she was dying. So, so this, is, this is his only child, his only daughter. She's sick. And she's not just like sick. She's a cold. It's not just like the change of seasons like we're kind of going through. I mean, uh, in my house, my boys are snotting. We're giving them Zyrtec like crazy. We're, uh, we're bundling them up. We're, do, we're doing all that. No, it's, it's worse than that. So much worse, he says here. She's sick and she was dying. I mean, I can't imagine all that's going through his mind. I can't imagine all that his heart feels in this moment. I mean, the urgency request, it makes perfect sense, does it not? I mean, he's seen Jesus work and move and do He's heard the stories. He, he, he saw with his own eyes. I mean, I mean, as a parent, I would do anything I could for my kids, especially in a moment like this. There's hurting. Man, and as a parent, you feel helpless, don't you? So, so what do you do? You, you run to the only one who can do anything. It's Jesus. And that's what he does. That's what he does. He goes on in verse 42. He says, as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. So, so he approaches Jesus. Jesus says, okay, I'm, let's do this. He's going, and as he goes... People just continue to, to press around him more and more and more. Why? Because Jesus is starting to reach a celebrity status, right? As word spreads, as things happen, the miracles, the casting out of the demons, all that he did said, that you have great numbers of people that want to be around him, that want to be near him, that want to see him. The, the scripture here, as I was studying, there's such a great number around Jesus, almost as if they, they press it almost to crush him. I mean, so many people. I mean, I mean this, this, is, this is a crazy picture here. And this guy steps out of the norm and goes to that place out of faith and seeks and pursues. Now let's just push pause on that story for a second because something else happens. Uh, don't forget the urgency. Don't forget daughter dying. Don't forget uh, kind of the moment that we're in here. Okay, get that picture in your head. Get that picture in your heart. Uh, a desperate moment, an intense moment, a very critical moment. Um, and, and Jesus starts to make his way there, and then look at this second act of crazy faith in Luke uh, 8.43 here. It says, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Got Jesus, there he is heading to his house, and then there's a woman, a woman who has an issue of blood, a woman who is, who is sick as well, has something going on in her body that's been there and present for 12 years. So why is this a crazy act of faith? I mean, I mean, there would have been men and women in the crowd. There would have been a lot of people there pressing in. Uh, people want to see. They want to get a look. They want to just a part of the day. So why is this an issue? Because in this culture, in this day, for this woman to approach Jesus in her condition is something that could have cost her her life. So you've got the religious of religious going after Jesus and defying those of his day of his religious upbringing. And now you have this woman who is sick and bleeding who approaches Jesus in this moment, who's had this issue for 12 years. I mean, she would have been looked at as, as permanently unclean. 
clean for ceremonial reasons. I mean, it would have been so bad so that she couldn't get so close to people that she would have to say, hey, I'm dirty, I'm unclean, I'm unworthy, don't, no, don't get, no, don't get close to me. I mean, you could be, become unclean by being near her or around her. I mean, she was shunned. She was thrown out. She's looked at as, as, as worthless, as useless. So much so that even her own family would shun her. They wouldn't want to be around her because they, they would be considered unclean. And in this day and in this time and in this culture, as a, as a good Jew, you, you wanted to be ceremonial clean. You wanted to be pure. And so that's what's going on in her life. I mean, she's excluded from synagogues and the temples. I mean, she's broken poor is what the story tells us. She, she spent all of her life savings, her living, all of that on physicians. And she couldn't be healed. She couldn't be healed. What's happened here? She's in a desperate spot, isn't she? She's in a horrific spot. She goes to the only one who can do anything. I mean, she's tried everybody else. Can't do a thing for her. And what does the story read? So, so you got Jesus and Jerry's heading to his house to save his daughter, to see his daughter, to check on his daughter. And then this woman steps out in crazy faith in the moment, unaware of all of that, I'm sure, and she just steps in. And look at what happens in verse 44. And she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately, church, immediately it says that her discharge of blood was ceased. Man, this is so reckless. I mean, we celebrate this. But this is reckless and crazy on her part. You don't do that. If you're found out, you're done for. It's over for you. You've already got a name for yourself, but you're talking to take you out back and they're going to stone you. That's what they're going to do. I mean, how reckless. She's unclean, not fit to be near or around people. I mean, her life can be taken. It's a huge chance, a huge risk. I mean, what a step of faith, though. Isn't it? She's tried everything else. Let me give this Jesus a shot. I mean, she's at the end of herself is what we see here. I mean, I can only imagine this thought process. I mean, I mean, I like to put myself in the story sometimes, and so I just kind of put myself in the story as I was reading this week. I mean, I can just imagine her, man. I, I can't keep going like this. I mean, it's gonna, it could cost your life. I know it could cost me my life. I don't know if you talk to yourself, but I talk to myself quite frequently. You laugh because those of you laugh who do the same thing. You know, yeah, we, the, we those people. Man, it's got, should I do it? I don't know. Man, I'm, I'm dying as it is. What else do I got to live for? I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to make it if I don't. Yes, yeah, Scott, man, what else could happen? Maybe there'll be another medical thing come along just a couple years down the road, and you, that'll do it for you. I mean, maybe, but, but, man, I'm so lonely. I just I can't even be around people. I have to announce every time I come around. I mean, this is the condition that I'm in. I mean, how horrific is that? I, uh, Scott, should I do it? Should I not? Uh, I, mean, I can just imagine... The thought, I'll, I'll, just, I'll be quick. Yeah, 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 that's what I'll do. I'll just keep my head down. I, I, won't, make, I won't make a spectacle out of it. I'll, I'll get in and out real quick, maybe put the hood over a little bit further down. I'll, I'll just sneak in real, real fast. No one will recognize me. Oh, and this is what I'll do. I won't even go to the front of him. Man, nobody will even notice me coming in the back. I'll come in the back, and as I come in the back, I'll just barely reach out my hand. Down on the bottom, like low, just reach out my hand, just barely, and just barely touch just a piece of his garment. I won't make a scene. I won't, I, I, okay, I, I won't, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I can imagine her amping up herself. I'm, I'm going to do it. Last-ditch effort. Man, my life is not worth much as it is, is already. What's the worst that could happen? 
And so the thing I love about this story, this portion here, is it's like when you've exhausted every way possible, and God finally gets you to your end, he then has a heart, he has a life, he has a circumstance, he can do a great work in with, through faith. She went to all these doctors, she tried, she spent, she done. And finally she's getting out of her way and she's going to let God do. She's going to let God step in. And then look at what happens in verse 45. Look at what happens. And Jesus said, so she snuck through. She's went incognito. She's got to the back of him. She reaches out and she touches. And look at what Jesus says in verse 45. Who is it that touched me? Everybody's denying it, it says, when all had denied it. And you know her, there's no way she's going to say something. She's already in trouble by just doing that. If they find out and if they know it was her, she'll be done for. And then I love Peter. Look, look in verse 45 as it continues right there. It says, Peter said, and I could just imagine Peter as he's like thinking, oh man, here goes this again. Like I know he's the son of God. I know he's a part of creation and he spoke things. In, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And, and I could just imagine like the cynicism in his voice maybe. I don't know. This is me interjecting here. And I could just imagine in this moment, I, I, maybe Peter says something, I and mean, he said, the crowd surrounding you and pressing in on you. I mean, I can just imagine, like, because Peter's kind of like quick and smart, so he thinks. I, I, Jesus, maybe question, who hasn't touched you yet? Anybody here not touched Jesus? Come on down. We got it right here he is. You can have him. Touch him for just a minute. I, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on in his mind, but I can imagine what, I know what I'd be thinking if I'm Peter. Something like that. And then look in verse 46, but Jesus says, no, 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 someone touched me for I perceive that the power has gone out from me. This was a different kind of touch than the crowd just kind of pressing in or this large group of people that just want to just see him and maybe try to get something uh, uh, to meet some sort of little need or see the next cool trick or just kind of be amazed by the moment. Like, like, like this is a different kind of touch when someone touched him here. See, see, Jesus is so aware of himself and in tune with God that he knew that this kind of act of faith was different. And whenever she touched him, it released something in him. Something was taken from him. And look at verse 47. It says, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. Okay, she's been outed now. Jesus is aware. Peter's like, no, 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 Lord, look at all these people. Why do you yeah, somebody, look, they're all touching you. No, 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 it's not that kind of, it's a different kind of touch. She, she knew that she'd done something in that moment. And she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she touched him and how she had been immediately healed. She just wanted to get to him. She just wanted to touch him. She'd exhausted everything, and she just knew, and she just believed. She, act upon, she acted upon that faith to do the unthinkable. And look at what God does. Oh, look at how God acts and reacts. She's, she's healed. And then look at what Jesus does. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus wasn't doing this to shame her. He wasn't trying to, to show her up, but instead he was just celebrating her act of faith. Do you, do you know what that would have done to her? What, imagine that battle within. 
I mean, I mean imagine the, the thought process. Her, I mean, this is life or death. And she's so desperate that she's willing. She's got no life to begin with the way it is. She steps out, and the thing that I love about this that we miss in our English language, the thing I love about this here in verse 48, uh, when Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well, this thought of made well here is in the Greek, original language is sozo, and it applies a redemptive aspect that's involved in her act of faith here. Yeah, she's physically healed. Her soul is healed in this moment, too. This type of faith is the faith that Jesus talks about for salvation, for redemption, to be made alive, to be made fully well and whole. So she's so desperate for God in this moment, so desperate to get to Jesus in this moment, that it just doesn't fix her physically, but it fixes her soul. Jesus makes her well in so many more ways than just physically. And so church, it got me thinking, man, we need to be so desperate for God that we by faith go all in for his glory, no matter the cost. No matter the cost. She knew what it could cost her, and what does she do? She goes anyways. She steps in anyways. And so my question for you this morning is this, how are you living by faith that makes no sense and will only work if God steps in? Uh, Will only work, what life or death situation are you a part of right now? that will never make it, never happen unless God steps in, unless you approach him in faith and believe for him to work and do and move in that instance. And I love this kind of faith, this act of faith. I mean, this is crazy type faith. By the way, do you remember that 12-year-old girl that we were talking about? That, that, that 12-year-old girl that, that Jesus was trying to get to, he, he kind of pushes pause on that for a moment in the midst of this and, and begins to kind of uh, work this and do this. And I can just imagine uh, all the happening and unfolding of this. Oh, by the way, let's, let's get back to that 12-year-old girl, verse 49. So while he's still speaking, Jesus is still kind of taking care of the woman that had, uh, had the blood issue, that had been healed. He was still speaking. Someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Man, oh, you talking about a devastating blow? Man, imagine if you're Jarius in that moment. Dang, all of it was for nothing. So it would seem, so it would appear, right? I mean, he steps out. I mean, he, the, the scrutiny that he'll probably face, the things that will happen as a result of that. And now she's gone, not, not to mention to have to, to mourn through the loss of his daughter, Jesus is over here saying some things, and they tell Jairus about his daughter, the horrible news here. Man, I can just imagine in my head, man, God, Jesus, man, couldn't you have waited just, just five minutes? Man, if he'd have just got there. Man, this woman, what is she doing? Could she not come back tomorrow? Could she have not followed us to her? I mean, I can, I can just imagine the thought process here. I mean, if it was me, that's where I would be. So close. I had him right here. He was actually coming. He was going to do it. He was following me. He was going to my house. So Jairus is being addressed. And then look at verse 50. But Jesus, on hearing this, he answered him. Jesus is doing his thing about the woman. And then he hears this. And he, and he responds to what, what, what the servant was telling Jairus. And he, he answers him. He says, do not fear. Only believe. And she will be well. Jesus answers the one that's speaking to Jairus. Man, what a response. Made well is the same word that we see with the woman. The same word, sozo, saved, redeemed. 
Church, all I know is this, is that faith brings about a move of God every time. Every time. Oh, one brings about a move in us, in our heart. It, it, it causes us to step out, to trust even more, to believe even more, to walk and press in even more. And it gives glory, God honor, it gives God praise. That's what it does. So verse 51, and when he came to the house, this is Jesus, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of that child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. Look at the response of the crowd there. It says, and they laughed at him knowing that he was dead. Okay, Jesus, seems like, like a bit of a stretch here. We know the difference between someone that's just sleeping or down for the night compared to someone that has passed away. And so they mock, they make fun of, they ridicule Jesus. But it doesn't stop him, does it? It, it doesn't stop him. He continues to press on and go. Look, look at verse 54. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. Man, I just want to point out the compassionate side of Jesus here. The caring side of Jesus. I, I don't know why in this story it says that he takes her by the hand. But man, he takes her by the hand and he says, hey, arise, get up. I don't know, I don't know what it would have been like to be in that room that day when that takes place. But I just couldn't imagine being a part of this. As a dad, I mean, can you imagine the flood of emotion that you've just been, went through? I got him, he's coming. Ah, oh, he's late. No, he says, let's go. Everybody's laughing at me. She's alive. She's up. He heals her. He brings her back from the dead. He takes her by the hand. He cares for her. He's compassionate. He's showing and modeling this. He does the same thing for us, does he not? Whatever it is we're going through, whatever difficulty, whatever struggle, you don't have the faith to believe today, that's okay. Hey, just lean in even more. Just trust me. Just press in even more. I can give you more faith. I can help you. I can take you by the hand here. I can walk with you. Uh, whatever mountain may seem to be in front of you, whatever difficulty may be ever before you, whatever it may, just press in a little bit harder. I've got you. And look at verse 55. It says this, and her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Like, I love that. Like, like, like obedient. The dead, the dead obey immediately. Man, if us living could just figure that out and get that. I'm just saying. The dead physically in this moment, here's the call of Jesus and she's up. She's up and she responds. The spirit returns into her and she got up at once. I love that. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. I don't know. Maybe whenever that. Anyways, I just, I just think that's kind of funny. Hey, girl. Hey, by the way, hey, can you get her a cheeseburger or something? Maybe he knows something that we don't know. I don't, I don't know. My mind just goes there, you know? Like I'm, anyways, so feed her. And then look at verse 56, and her parents were amazed. They were amazed. They were blown away by. And it started with this act of faith. Man, my daughter is dying and I'm desperate. I mean, this is a crazy, Jarius, a ruler of the synagogue, Pharisee. He's going to go against those in his own religious sect. And he's going to approach Jesus, the ones they can't stand? Man, when you're desperate, when you're in a place like that, 
You go to the only source, the only place that can do anything, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of how great you think you are, how much you think you have it together, whatever. And he steps out and he goes, just like we see with the woman. Man, man, this could, and just, just, just for a little side note here, coming to faith in Jesus does cost you everything. It, it, it costs us absolutely everything. Hear me, it is well, well worth it. Well worth it to, to step out in faith and to trust and to believe and to follow and to walk with. And that's what we see happening here in this story. So as the band comes back up, two stories of crazy faith where people lived it out by an act of desperation going after Jesus no matter the consequence. No matter the consequence. We said, what an amazing reminder for us this morning in this place of all that God can do. What struggle, what mountain, what difficulty, what impossibility seems to be before you, that, that Jesus is calling you to engage in him all the more through faith. I mean, we just took communion this morning to kick off the service. And then we have a story. Remember, do this in remembrance of me. Remember so, that he defeated death in the grave. That, that he has kicked it. That it has no hope us as believers in Christ. That, that we should live in ways that makes absolutely no sense, that we seem like mad men and mad women to the world. Because we know the one that's in control of it all. And hear me, he can if he chooses. He, he can in stay if he chooses. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Uh, church, I don't know if you recognize or know, but, but it happens all the time. And I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about spiritual death. That's a greater death to be raised from. Spiritual death, separation from God. Your eternal destiny, hell. Judgment, damnation. And by faith, all you have to do is enter into a relationship with Jesus. See yourself in light of who he is and what he's accomplished by way of the cross. And you believe wholeheartedly like we see in this story this morning that he is the son of God taking our sin and our upon himself and making a way where we, we have absolutely no hope. And by faith in a relationship with him. And we see this all time played out over and over and over and over. Not to mention the people that he does heal. The people who are sick and now they're not sick. The people who had this and they didn't have this. Uh, whatever the case is, where he steps in and he moves in a mighty way for his glory, for his honor, for his great name. And, and so Jesus does these miracles because two different people with two different issues in an act of desperation step faith and go after him. So the question I want to ask you this morning is this. Are you desperate for God? Are you truly desperate for him? Not just like, okay, yeah, I want to add him into my life as something or a little side note or a, if things get bad enough, then I'll turn to him. But, but, but is this the posture of your heart? The moment of every day. Because this is what he calls us to. Desperate. Of him. Need him. I'm going to approach. I'm going to go after. I'm going to long for him more than anything else. And the next question is, where are you by faith seeking the Lord? What's the crazy thing in your life right now that you're just, you're just asking him to, to do that will make absolutely no sense to anybody else maybe in the room, even of the faith, especially not at night? 
What are you asking him? Is, is it your family member who's been lost? Is it maybe a coworker, or is it this, this, this thing in your life that just keeps plaguing you? Or, or is, it a physical, is it a physical ailment? And so out of desperation, you pray and you seek. And, and I don't know about you, but I know for me, kind of the tendency in my heart is like, but what if he don't? What, but what, what if he don't heal? Or what if he doesn't move? Or what if he doesn't work? He's always going to move and work and do. You don't have to worry about that. And the thing we've got to understand, perspective matters and so for us as a child of God like like you know this isn't this isn't it right as a follower of Jesus if he doesn't heal me on this side glory to his name because I go to that side and on that side man, man this place fails in comparison the greatest day on planet earth falls woefully short to eternity with Jesus and I don't care, I mean, you win the lottery, you get your limbo, you get whatever it is that your heart longs for and desires, and you have that for what falls way in comparison to eternity with the King of King and Lord of Lords who is ransomed and redeemed and saved and rescued. So, so, so I'm going to choose to step out and walk in faith, believing. And if he doesn't, that, that's up to him. All I know is it's going to press me closer to Him. It's going to cause me to be more dependent, to love greater, to walk harder and more faithful. And so as I read and I thought this week, man, I don't want us as a people, as a church, to play it safe. I don't want to play it safe. I don't want us to be like that team that gets up by 30, by 30 points and then they just kind of go like to the prevent stuff. And you know, the team always comes back and sometimes they'll lose. I don't want that to be us church i don't want us to get to the end and be like ah man i played it safe oh i could have done so much more for his great name i don't want us to live lives that make sense and can be explained away man i want us to be desperate for move of god like what we see here in the book of chapter eight he's bringing the dead to life he is healing the sick man i want to be a part of a move of god like that that's what i want to see that's what I want to ask God for. When we find out somebody in the church is sick or somebody connected to somebody in the church, that's what we pray for. God, heal them. God, make them well. God, don't even let them get to the chemo table. Don't even let them get to the oh, whatever table. Just right now in your, in your sovereignty, in your bigness, in your, we're going to believe it. We're going to walk in that. And God, if you choose not to, that's fine. We'll walk. We're going to continue to walk with you. And then we're going to continue to believe that you can work and that you can do and that you've got a bigger plan that, that we can even imagine. But that's how we're going to live our life. That's how we're going to seek. That's how we're going to walk. We're just going to trust and press in and be men and women of faith. So I don't know what God spoke to you this morning in this place. I don't know what he's been pressed on your heart. I mean, I just want to challenge you to be, to live by faith. Crazy faith that doesn't make sense. And you know what crazy faith for you may look like this week? It may be just as simple as telling your coworker a little bit about Jesus. Or just saying, hey, can, can I just, can I, would it be okay if I just pray for you? Well, you pray? I mean, I don't know what their response will be. I don't know where you've been in your walk of faith with, before them. But, but that could be your crazy, like, 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 like jumping off moment. And you know what? God will reward and bless and move in in that space. If it's just a simple prayer this morning or this week. 
if it's just getting lunch for someone, if it's just inviting them over to your house to just love on and care for, if it's going and praying for, I don't, I don't know what the crazy step of faith for you is. But God will move toward and God will do. Father, help us this morning in this place. God, to be so in tune with you. God, that whatever you ask us, the answer is yes, that we will follow after. Father, help us to have this kind of faith. God, help me have this kind of faith. God, to believe, Father, in that moment of impossibility, God, that, that you're right there beckoning me to come and press in all the more. So, Father, I know that there's men and women in this church right now that are sick. Father, that there's men and women in this church that are connected to those that are sick and that are hurting. And I pray, God, I pray for healing there. God, I pray for our faith to be strengthened so much so that, that, uh, that when we leave this place and we go have lunch, Father, that we pray for, that we care for, that we take care of those that we'll see, that we'll come in contact with, that we'll share with. God, whatever that next step of faith may be, God, I pray, I pray God, that you would just direct us. And Father God, maybe this morning in this place, that next step of faith is that of salvation for someone in this place who, who maybe for all their life have pretended to know or have played the part or have come to church, but Father, they, they've never took the faith. And so Father, if that be the case, I pray you save them. Father, if it's one that just wandered in this morning that doesn't even get and understand all of this, but for whatever reason, it makes perfect sense in their heart this morning that you're just wooing them and drawing them. Father, I pray that you just save. God, bring the dead to life. We pray and beg and implore you. All for your glory, all for your honor, all for your great name. In your name we pray.